Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Adi Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and this is the show for you, find an extra of myself, Adi Oladipo, and one half of Fight Disciples, Mr. Nick Pete in the building as well. Today, we're going to be discussing yet more noise, but no action in the heavyweight division. The likes of AJ and Tyson Fury have all said so much on social media regarding potential fights, but we're still no closer to seeing any confirmation for anything. We're also going to hear from Frank Warren, who phoned into TalkSport to defend Mr. Tyson Fury and even took aim at my co-host today. How dare he, Nick Pete? And Gareth A. Davis for their comments about the Gypsy King on last week's show. The elephant in the room, though, seems to be the money on offer from Saudi Arabia. We are going to discuss if the riches on offer from the Middle East have held up the division. The fight is now reluctant to take any other fight out of fear of missing out on the millions they could potentially make for future fights. Plus, we're going to be talking a big win for Clarissa Shields on her homecoming fight at the weekend. And we're going to look ahead to two massive fights this weekend for Josh Taylor and Sonny Edwards. And we're going to hear from both men as well. Look, as always, lots to get through. This is Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Your winner by unanimous decision and still the undisputed female middleweight champion of the world, the Gloat Clarissa T. Zero, zero offers mm, been made. Mm. And the reason is, and, it's, and everybody's been, and they've been upfront about it over there, Prince Khalid and his team, skill set, they've just, and they've said, is because they're not in a position yet to make a written offer. And if so, nothing can be done. As I can see, that he didn't look too good in his last fight, you know, um, so, he, he, but I'm not preparing for that last performance. I'm preparing the, for the best version of Teofimo Lopez. But still, that's still not good enough to be the likes of myself. A lot of people might think, oh, be careful, Eddie might feed you to the... He can't feed me to the wolves because I am the wolf. I am the number one. I am the one that wants and has chased every single one of these fights. Mr. Nick Pete, nice to have you with us, sir. You too, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you. Always nice to catch up and uh, 
you know, we had, a, we had a crazy three world title weekend, and then last weekend it was the Clarissa Shields show. Um, and we're looking ahead now to two big world title fights with Brits. Boxing's booming, buddy. Boxing is booming. I said this to a lot of people who have a moan, and look, me and you moan, and you know, you're sparring part Adam Catchabout to have a moan, but we've got to be honest, it's been a good couple of months. It's been decent. I've, I've enjoyed it, uh, especially when we've got the big ones coming, the big, big one coming. Crawford Spence, and we've had yes. Garcia Tank, and it's been a good um, a good few months, and long may it continue. Quickly, before we start, um, I've just saw a tweet, a post from Anthony Fowler, someone I'm sure you know well, announcing his retirement. Yeah, we've seen him ringside, not doing anything. I was like, what's going on? Is he waiting for a fight? He's like, no, I'm done. I've had enough. You know, I've made some good money. My health is more important. A solid career Anthony Fowler had. Yeah, he was an outstanding amateur, of course. You know, he was one of the most decorated amateurs the GP setup's ever seen. Um, I guess you could argue he maybe stuck around in the amateurs a little bit too long. I remember him and Callum Smith coming through at very much the same time. And it was Anthony that decided to stay on from the Olympic cycle and Callum Smith decided to turn pro. Um, but yeah, listen, he did turn pro. He had good success. Obviously, he's been in some big fights domestically as well, but he's been, always been good with his money. I think he's invested it well. He's got his, a couple of really good, really positive businesses that are doing really good things. And uh, I think he's financially secure right now. And, you know, that's all you can hope for in this fight game is to get out with your faculties intact, yeah. with a couple of belts on the mantelpiece and some money in the bank. So good luck to him. Yeah, get in, get rich, get out. And he, he's done that. So so good luck to him. Let's talk about Clarissa Shield. She fought on the weekend, uh, the quotes. And I guess with Katie Taylor losing to Chantel Cameron, that's now rock solid, firmed. She is number one, isn't she? Um, I guess her problem though, Nick, is she's running out of opponents. I mean, there aren't that many fights. If, if she was around 135, 140, there'll be millions of fights for her to make, so many. Yeah. But her being 161, 6'8", there just ain't that many dance partners and she's struggling to find dance partners. She is, and I'm concerned for the sport of boxing that she might just lose patience and she might yeah. go over to MMA full-time. You know, she has had a couple of fights in mixed martial arts. She has, you know, she still continues to train in that sport as well, in, in MMA, purely just for competition, purely just yeah. to keep herself entertained and keep herself challenged. And we saw that the weekend. I know it was a standing opponent for her, but Marcella Cornejo, you know, she's come in a couple of weeks' notice. She... Basically lost every round again. But this is what Clarissa does. She's just so good. She's so talented. Even when we thought we got her the perfect matchup, we found her Joe Frazier. We found her, <laughs> yeah. you know, Hagler Haynes and Savannah Marshall. She comes over and she, you know, let's let's be honest, hardly broke a sweat and she boxed Savannah Marshall's head off. And mm. that, that's the problem, you see. It's, it's keeping her entertained in this boxing game. That's the problem we've got now because she is the quote. She is outstanding what she's done. Multi-weight world champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist. But she is still young as well, Addy. She's only in her mid-20s. Plenty mm. of time for her to move over to MMA. And who knows? Listen, Holly Holm did it. And she was yeah. a lot older yeah. than Clarissa Shields. I could see Clarissa Shields knuckling down two or three years of full-time MMA. Next thing you know, she's in the UFC. She becomes a superstar. Yeah, and uh, Dana would be licking his lips at that attraction. Someone that talks the way she does, the way she yeah. acts. Yeah. And, how boisterous she is, so good at media and PR. Perfect for what Dana White would love to see right now. Because you look at even MMA and sort of the female stars coming through, in terms of ones that shout out, there aren't that many really, are there? There aren't that many at all. So, so, so he would love it. Um, in terms of competition for her, potentially, I mean, we love Tasha, don't we? Tasha Jonas, obviously 154, but she's just undersized, isn't she really? Look, she'll give it a go. She'll have a go, but she's undersized. 
Yeah, but talking about you know the the two options there domestically, are Tasha Jonas and Terry Harper, they have got mm. all the belts at super welterweight a division in which you know Clarissa once cleaned up previously. She's fought there before, so she could in theory get down to that weight. But our two girls are former lightweights who have moved up <laughs> for the for the opportunities that are in those weight divisions because they are so much faster and so much more skilled than most of the field in that weight class. You bring Clarissa down to that weight, she's just going to look absolutely massive against both Harper and Giannis. Listen, financially, I hope it works out for them. They are good fights, but when I'm thinking about Clarissa's future and Clarissa's legacy, unfortunately, it just feels like it's it's MMA for me. Yeah, and look, good luck to her. I mean, for her to dominate boxing and then potentially go over and do some damage in MMA... I mean, you all saw what Christoph Dwacki did from the back the other day, oh. didn't we? Do you know what I mean? Wow. Don't tell me these boxers can't go over and cause some problems. So, look, you never know if she gets over there and learns a bit of ground game. As you say, she's young. She's got the time, a bit of jiu-jitsu lessons. Who knows what she can do in MMA? Uh, I do want to touch on heavyweight boxing, right? It's the, it's the glamour division. Oh, or, or it do was. we have to? It That's was the one boxing. That's so frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> it was ridiculous, isn't it? It's so bad. It annoys the hell out of me. Before we touch on it, I do want to um, play out a little clip from Mr. Frank Warren, who phoned in and spoke to Gareth on Fight Night, and he, he, he came for your head. He came for your head, Nick. He came for Gareth's head. This is what Frank Warren had to say. This is the fella who's gone abroad and fought the best, gone to their countries and fought, been to the States three times and beat the hardest punching heavyweight out there in three brilliant fights, went to Germany and fought in 54,000 people in Germany and give him a boxing lesson when he when he was when he was the best heavyweight out there at the time Clint I don't Cole. think we're disputing he's not the number well, one that, in the well that's what's going down and that and that, that and that uh, you, the thing you've done in the week talking to uh, whoever that bloke you was talking Nick to Nick Pete on Fight Night uh, Extra whoever yeah. it is I mean what is all that nonsense about it's, what, what 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 does he know what, what what how does he know what Tyson's doing how does he know uh, Frank Warren, very, um, very acting like okay. he didn't know who you were. Yeah. Like, who, who's this? Who's that guy you was on with? Like, he knew. He knows who you are. He he watches your channel. He knows exactly who you are. But um, I mean, look, you you've always been honest and vocal in your channel about just the state of boxing. And right now, the heavyweight division again supposed to be the glamour division with four massive names. You can chuck in more if you want. Just is stagnant. It's just they press the pause button on it for some reason. Yeah, completely. You know, and the guy at the top of the tree, the, the number one heavyweight on the planet, the guy that everybody looks up to, Tyson Fury is the main protagonist in all this as well. All he does is talk about fighting these days. He doesn't actually do it. He's not committing to any fights. He hasn't got anything in the pipeline. Mm. Well, he, you know, he's, he's calling out Anthony Joshua once Anthony Joshua walks away. I think, I think last week when he called out Joshua and said, we've sent a contract over... Never mind Joshua's team. I think every boxing fan in the country kind of rolled their eyes and said, oh, yeah, yeah. not this again. You know, quite honestly, do you think Anthony Joshua's management team even opened the email offer? It was like, what's the point? What's the point of going down this road when we know it leads to nothing? I think we all know Anthony Joshua's now hopefully going to com commit to a fight with Dillian White. Then mm. there's a potential fight with uh, Deontay Wilder towards the end of the year. We kind of know which direction he's going in. Why is Tyson making these kind of noises? You know, he already turned down the opportunity to pursue the Usyk fight. Usyk seemed like he wanted it. Tyson yeah. kind of, he did and he didn't. Listen, if Tyson had just come out back in February, March, when all this rumbling was going on, said, I want to do Usyk. Well, let's be honest, we can earn 10 times as much money if we do it at the end of the year. 
So as long as it happens at the end of the year, everyone cool with that. I think most fans would have gone, okay, Tyson, because anyone listen to this, someone said to you, you can do your job now and get paid this, or you can do a job at the end of the year and get paid 10 times as much. Every single person's going to go, okay, well, I'll kick it back to the end of the year. It's fine. But to, to pursue it and not see it through because of the Saudi money that's at the end of the year just kind of blew up in Tyson's face. And right now, I don't want the heavyweight champion of the world, the world number one, to behave like that. I want him to take on all comers. I want him to defend that belt and prove to the world that he truly is the number one heavyweight on the planet. Handpicking Australians who are ranked number 50-odd in the world, nobody gives a damn. And I think that's why Frank was a bit upset because myself and Gareth were like, we're not interested. We're not no. interested in seeing Tyson Fury face anybody outside of the top half dozen fighters in the division because that's yeah. what champions should do. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy. In the last two weeks, we've heard, and you mentioned those Australians, Dempsey McKean was one. I think Jail Pattaya was yeah. another. And you're like, John Jones, I'll fight him. And I'll fight Francis Ngannou. And it does get to the stage where you're right. I mean, we shouldn't be, but we do kind of roll our eyes. We roll our eyes at the lineal WBC. And look, we're not trying to say he's not, he's the greatest heavyweight there is right now. Yep. And the fact he's not fighting, is just annoying. I mean, we gave him kind of a, we, we kind of let it slip the fact he fought Chisora. It's like, okay, all right, just fight him. He's your friend. It's a payday for both of you, but not that again. Yeah. And all of us, you know, with the expectancy that it would be Usyk next. And it hasn't gone that way. And it's, it's, it's annoying. I'm thinking he can kickstart this all, everything. Um, but no, right now, what are we, June? And we still don't know who he's fighting. There's yeah. been talks of Andy Ruiz. Oh, Andy Ruiz wanted too much money. I'm like, how much did he want? Like, what's going on? Like, I thought you fight for free and fight for... How much did he want then? It's just, um, it's so frustrating. It really is. It's not just him. I mean, Wilder's not doing anything right now either. Yeah. He hasn't really yeah. fired anyone either. All the, it's just, it's, it, honestly, I, I, I'm not quite sure what to make of it all. There's, there's so much talking and just not nearly enough walking. And then mm. when other things happen, like, you know, Usyk, they're going to pay bids with Dubois and it's only 8 million. So he's, Usyk will fight Dubois for 6 million and Dubois is going to get 2 million we're hearing. And then suddenly that gets spinned. Well, well, why wouldn't he fight Tyson Fury for 8 million? And why, why is it always about money? I thought with Tyson yeah. it wasn't about money. I thought Tyson was a fighting man that would fight you for free at the bottom of the garden and no man born of his mother can beat me and all this <laughs> stuff. Like, where's that gone? Where's that okay. rhetoric gone? You know, listen, don't get me wrong. We're talking about the guy, as Frank reminded us there, who went out to Germany and done the business against Klitschko, ended an era of heavyweight boxing that mm. basically put the whole of boxing on ice because it went to Germany and it bored the life out of the Americans and people fell out of love. Tyson ended that. It was down to Tyson that the whole heavyweight division got reignited again. And yes, he did go and fight Deontay Wilder three times in America. I was at two of those fights. Absolutely phenomenal. But that's the guy I believe is the best heavyweight walker on this planet. I refuse to see him see out his career by treading water against guys ranked number 50 in the world. Not fight twice a year and fight not the number two. And if he's not available, fight number three. And if he's not yeah. available, fight number four. Next Why are we talking up, about anybody else? Yeah, ne ne next man up. Next man up. Look, we're we're going to talk more heavyweights a bit later. Um, a couple of really big fights this weekend. Sonny Edwards makes his DAZN debut. We'll talk about that against Andres Campos. But the one I really want to touch on uh, is Josh Taylor versus Teofimo Lopez. Mm -hmm. I just put out a tweet saying, is, is Josh still the king at 130? Because all of a sudden, we've now moved on to the fact that Regis Progre is number one. A lot of people think he's number one. We haven't seen Josh for 15 months. Um, switch trainer, I think this was a really good trainer in Joe McNally. But I have no idea what Josh to expect. Whereas Josh 15 months ago was undisputed. 
pound yeah. for pound, top six or top seven. Not quite sure what we're going to see on the weekend. Yeah, and, and that's that is like the million dollar question. And you know what, Adi, that works both ways. Because yeah. Tiafimo Lopez, there was a moment in time when he took all those belts off uh, Vasil Lomachenko that we were like, wow, this guy has just broke <laughs> true, through. True. And he's a superstar. And unfortunately, he's been on such a crazy journey, more outside the ring than inside it since. Obviously, the loss to Cambosis certainly didn't help, but he's had a breakdown of his young marriage. He's moved mm. from Las Vegas to New York, back to Las Vegas. Now he's in Miami. Now he's here. He's everywhere. His dad's... Man as a box of frogs, yeah. you know, and, and you just don't know what version of Tiafimo Lopez is going to turn up either. That, for me, that's part of the fascination about that fight at Madison Square Garden on Saturday night. Is Josh Taylor, you know, can we finally say 15 months ago in Glasgow, it all went wrong. It was an off night for him. That was him at his worst. The guy is back because the night before that fight, right leading up to it, you know, we said it many times on Fight Disciples, like most boxing fans were saying it. He was the best British boxer, period. He was above everybody, above Tyson, above everybody. He'd unified those belts one by one, taking on some of the toughest opponents imaginable. Genuine world champions, former world champions, mixing it at the highest level since his 11th fight. Like Josh Taylor was something very, very special. But he had an off night, and fighters are allowed to have an off night. Yeah, But it yeah. was what happened in the aftermath with the judging controversy, the way he handled it the way Top Rank tried to cover it all up, the way he moved on, said he was fighting Jack Cattrall, but that fight never never actually came off. I just think it, a lot of British boxing fans have gone from being his biggest fan to now having a bit of a bitter taste. He needs to remind us all that that Josh Taylor still exists and he's out to prove, it, prove himself once more. Yeah, let's hope he does. Because honestly, if you were telling me 15 months ago that that Josh Taylor would still be fine at 140, I'd have said absolutely not. He can't Correct. make the weight. No way he's going to be 32, 33. 147, 100% mixing it with those big boys. The fact is he's been still at 140 surprises me. So yeah, let's see what he can do on the weekend. I think it's going to be a really good fight because as you say, Tio, I think we saw it against Loma. He can surprise a few and step up when he needs to. And he's going to be loving this in his backyard or adopted backyard sometimes. And as you say, he's everywhere. Should be a good fight on the weekend. All right, you're listening to Fight Extra on TalkSport 2 still to come. We are going to hear from both Josh Taylor and Sonny Edwards ahead of their fights this weekend. But up next... We're going to, once again, we're going to try and go for it, people. We're going to chat about the heavyweight division. Uh, are the riches on offer from Saudi Arabia? The reading that's being held up. Tyson Fury, absolutely sensational to drag himself out of the 10-7 round, being on the floor twice in the fourth. Anthony Joshua, get this contract signed. And let the British fans have what they want. It was a murderous medieval uppercut from Tyson Fury. There's no more running. You have to fight me. You cannot escape. The Fury is coming. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra with myself, Adiola Depot, and Nick Pete on Talk Sport 2. We, we touched on it a bit earlier, uh, the heavyweight division. We're going to try and do a bit of a deep dive on it now because it is, look, it, it is the glamour division. Um, the heavyweight when I was young, was the baddest man on the planet. It was the person that was getting paid the most until Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather came around. And all of a sudden, it's just gone a bit cold. It's gone a bit cold. Um, Dana White's offering Tyson Fury to step in the octagon for if he's never, ever going to do a take on John Jones. And Garner left UFC hoping to get a fight with one of the heavyweights. Wilder's out there doing nothing. Usyk just signed a deal 
with Saudi Arabia, basically. AJ looks like he's going to take on Dillian White. I don't know where do you want to begin. Where do you want to begin on this, Nick? Should we talk about the main man first? Fury. Yes. Who do you think he's going to fight next, Nick? What are we thinking here? I, I, listen, I think he's... He can't just sit around and wait for Usyk at the end of the year in Saudi Arabia. Not if Usyk is going to stay busy, defend one of his belts against Daniel Dubois in Poland, which we're led to believe is going to be happening at the end of summer. I think Usyk, need, uh, Fury himself, needs some kind of keep his, keep, you know, warm-up fight, if you like. Yeah. I understand that was why they were kind of going down the route of the two Australians, because the options there, they were two southpaws. Usyk's a southpaw kind of makes sense. But we, as you said earlier, he had his gimme against Chisora. You know, it's, it's been over a year now since he's yeah. defended his WBC belt against their WBC-ranked opponent, which was Dillian White. And that was a one-sided fight anyway. So yeah. I want to see him in there with somebody capable. And if not somebody capable, someone that's going to make headlines. And I think for 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 all the negativity... That oh, wait get, a minute, wait a minute. I know, do, I know the name you're going to say. Do Francis Ngannou. Do the fight. <laughs> do, it. do it. Because... Do it. The conversation Dana White started this week was baddest man on the planet. It used to be boxing. Now it's MMA. And I kind of agree with him. And the baddest man on the planet needs to be, it's kind of a street fighting mentality, isn't it? And let's let's be honest, a multifaceted mixed martial artist beats a boxer any day of the week, unless you're Glowacki with your back on the canvas (laughs) in the middle of a football stadium in in Warsaw. That looks incredible. incredible. Yeah. But uh, I, I just think, do the Nganu fight. Call it baddest man on the planet. Let Frank Warren sell the living daylights out of it. Let's have a little bit of fun at Wembley Stadium before the football season kicks off again in August. Get that out of the way. Make some good money. The Nganu thing's a one-shot deal. I think anyone in the top 10, anyone capable, should be able to take Francis Ngannou to school. Yeah. Yeah. And then Francis Ngannou's done in boxing because you can't sell him again. You can sell him now as the UFC heavyweight champion who walked away to prove it to the world he was the baddest man. So Fury can beat him and claim that title for himself. Whether you believe it or not, he can do that by yeah. winning that one fight. Right. I think Ngannou's probably going to want eight or nine million, which is a little bit less than what Ruiz was reportedly asking for. We'll take that every day of the I week. think that's doable. I think that's yeah. doable. A sold out Wembley Stadium. You get a lot of MMA fans, UFC fans who'd be buying tickets to see hopefully Ngannou I'm beat sold Fiori. Already. I'm yeah, sold. Listen, I, I think that's the way to go. And yeah. you know, hopefully Frank will be back on Talksport next week saying thanks to Nick Pete. I know exactly who he is. <laughs> what a wonderful idea. <laughs> you know it's funny because I always wanted to see Wilder versus Ngannou because I thought just because I've always thought that Fury could just box rings around Ngannou, couldn't he? Yes. Really? He's not going to stand and have a, a trade with him. Whereas Wilder would, and Wilder's not the best in terms of boxing ability. There's, it's there, but it's not elite level. So I oh, thought that would be just a fantastic shootout between two just monsters going in the ring with each other. But I'm with you. Look, if Fury can't get Usyk now, and he can't, because as you say, Usyk versus Dubois, and it's not going to be a Wilder four, is it? Then yeah, I'm with you, Ngannou. That's what Ngannou wants. And it would be a big... I don't know if I don't know if our producer is going to bleep this out. It'd be a big fu that would be from Ngannou to Dana White. That would yes. Like, look, I told you I could get it. I've got it. There you go. Nine million in the back pocket. You never paid me that much. Good. And if he loses, he loses. He loses to the best heavyweight on the planet. It's not a yeah. problem. You can still have MMA fights. It doesn't lose your shine. Um, so I'm with you. I like the idea of it happening. And I think Ngannou's trying to stoke it online. I think Fury's mentioned a couple of things as well. So hopefully, you know, we're always the last to know. Hopefully, there's something going on behind the scenes, but. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, Wembley Stadium will sell out easily. Exactly. And, and, and listen, your other options, Joe Joyce lo- losing to Zhang 
ruined Joy because it looked like it was going to be Joe Joyce versus Fury this mm. summer ahead of Usyk. Joe blew that by losing to Zhang. Joe Joe activated his rematch clause against Zhang. Obviously, then ties Zhang up as well. You've got Hergovic over this side, but he's kind of tied to where in the zone. There's no way a real, a, really, a deal could possibly be done there. So you're kind of running out of opponents. There's, you know, there's, there's, there's big baby Miller who's, who's, who's on his way up. Jared Miller, of course, I'm talking about, who's a former yeah. sparring partner of Fury's. I didn't think to go down that road. It's too much of a risk. You know, mm. Ruiz wants too much money. The wilder thing's been done. AJ's got other plans. You can't dig Chisora up again. Jeez. No. No. So, uh, listen, I, I, from a from a fan's perspective, doing Ganu, man, that would be fun. That would be mm. fun. Yeah. Let's talk about the money being sort of chucked around by the Saudi Arabians now. Like, and I've always said boxers should go and get as much as you can. We all know the danger of the sport, you know, know your worth, et cetera, et cetera. But it's clear to see that the money they're offering is it's almost causing a bit of a problem now. Yeah. <laughs> because it's so much money that these fighters now think, okay, I don't want to risk it and I'll just wait until I get paid from them before I fight again. I think, look, hopefully we see AJ White, but there was a lot of talk about AJ sitting out because of the Wilder fight and not risking it. And Usyk, it looks like he will fight the bar. Maybe he won't now. He's signed to them. What do you make of it, this new investment? It has its good and bad, right? Or am I just seeing the bad side of it? Well, you know, we're seeing it in football as well, aren't we? You know, we're yeah. seeing Ronaldo going over there. It looks like Messi's probably going to end up there. Kareem Benzema's just walked away from Real Madrid to, to sign with the Saudi. Think about that. You've walked away from Real Madrid, the greatest football team ever. Yeah. <laughs> Ballon d'Or winner. Like, no, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. Because, listen, money talks at the end of the day. The last I seen was there was talk of it being around £121 million on the table for Usyk and, and Fury to share. Oh. And I think that, you know, Usyk signing with a management company, you know, sports group out in Saudi Arabia this week as well as him basically saying, right, I don't want to negotiate with Fury anymore. I've tried that. He, he made, you know, he, he kept changing the, go moving the goalposts. Mm. I'm going to sign with you guys. You guys, you just let me know when the fight is. You guys sort it out. I think by doing that, that's the only way it happens now is yeah. in Saudi Arabia because that's where U6 people are in Saudi mm. Arabia. So, it's changed the game in terms of, you know, there was a time when Las Vegas used to be the home of yeah. boxing. And now, you know, Las Vegas very much the home of the UFC. But the big pay-per-view bouts like this, certainly the heavyweight division in recent years are just starting to, you know, AJ's never even fought in Las Vegas. That's His last crazy. couple of fights were in Saudi Arabia. You know There's been sounds. a real shift in where the power is in this heavyweight division. And like, like a lot of things in life, the power shifts to where the money is. I wonder when it's going to start sort of trickling down, and I mean down in terms of the weight divisions, to the lightweight kings, to yeah. the, the guys in the welterweight division. Like, you know, because, I mean, you can imagine Javante Davis obviously got paid enormous amounts for that Ryan Garcia fight. Imagine the Saudi Ravens said, okay, we can pay you four times. You versus Shakur Stevenson over there. And there's not much, there's not much Vegas can do to compete with that. There's not much Al Heyman can say to compete with that. It's eventually going to take over all of boxing if they want it to. It's almost like they're yeah. just cherry picking what they want now, but they could come and say, oh, we'll take all of that. Yeah, I think the only thing that might save boxing is the fact that, as you say, it, it's it's everything. You know, mm. they, they, they want tennis, they want golf, they've got the yeah, live golf yeah. tournaments. They, they're clearly making a big push towards football as well and getting a lot of their biggest names to go out there and play football. So it's because it's so widespread, 
it's going to take a long time to come down to the lighter weight because, you know, at the end of the day, if a fight's live in Saudi Arabia, the timing just does not work for the pay-per-view model in America. Mm. Uh, And I think that's the one benefit they've got, that the biggest pay-per-view market on the planet remains the United States. So um, I think Las Vegas has got some time yet. But, you know, I've been been out to the Middle East an awful lot in the last uh, five, six, seven years covering both boxing and MMA. And there's a real thirst for it out there. You know, there's a lot mm. of big expat community out there. There's a real thirst. And obviously that region of the world is trying to reinvent itself as a as, a, as the number one tourist destination. And this is certainly one way. It looks like it's always going to be the end of the year, Addy, as well, because mm. the weather's so hot in summer. Yeah. You can't really get there. And then there's religious holidays early in the year. So it seems like the way it's going, the heavyweight division is going to tickle along until October, November, December, which is when we're going to get the super fights and they're all going to be in the Middle East. Yeah, one fight that looks like it will be here, possibly, I'm guessing, the O2 Arena. I think you mentioned a bit earlier, AJ, Dillian White too. I think they're looking at a date. I saw a date today on August 12th for that one. Um, AJ said some interesting things on his Instagram story. The other day, Dillian White responded. Um, Is there an appetite for it, number one? And number two, obviously, AJ Franklin wasn't on the zone pay-per-view. It's, it's mad to actually think AJ wouldn't be on a pay-per-view platform, but they deemed it not big enough. Is this big enough for it to go on a pay-per-view platform? So one, is there a first for it? And second, is this pay-per-view worthy, this fight? I think it's, there's absolutely a, a, a thirst for it. I think it will go pay-per-view just because mm. of, of AJ's stature. I think Franklin being a guy that was you know, ranked pretty deeply um, yeah. it was difficult to sell a pay-per-view there because we have accepted now that AJ is in a rehabilitation phase of his career. Yeah. I think Dillian White, from an AJ perspective, Team AJ, I think Dillian White is the right fight that's next. You know, a lot of talk at the start, of the, oh, he's, he should just take the Fury fight. You know, you never turn down a world title <laughs> fight. It's easy to say that, but you, when you're Anthony Joshua and you're the commercial behemoth that he remains, then you're always going to get world title opportunities because you're Anthony Joshua. And the mm. fact that you've got, you know, your your desire for the game long-term as being questioned at every post, that, of course, gets people excited and gives up people false sense of security anyway. I'd love to see AJ back to where AJ once was. The thing is, we need to forget about that because that guy doesn't exist anymore because he's older, he's more mature, he's trying to, he's trying to uh, extend his career by yeah. redesigning the way he fights, by changing his fighting style. Lennox Lewis did it, and Lennox Lewis had incredible success. Can Pitch AJ do it? That's the million-dollar question. And can he do it and still remain relevant in a division that is, you know, sometimes it feels like it's moving really slow, and then other times you're thinking, wow, what just happened in the last five years? So so much happens in a second. Yeah, I'm just happy that look, I spoke to AJ at the start of the year, and he was very firm in it's going to be three fights this year. So when he, I think he posted something along the lines of not fighting until December, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. You have to fight. Like one thing AJ's been for the last four or five years is inactive. We just don't see enough of him. And I'm just like, how can you grow in your sport if you're just not fighting enough? So I think it's a good thing that he gets another training camp with Derek James. Yeah. And I'm with you. Look, the old AJ doesn't exist anymore. I saw that now against Jermaine Franklin. Yeah. Um, so let's see what Derek James can do with this new AJ. I think we saw Klitschko have a little bit of a rebirth. Um, under Manny Stewart, you mentioned Lennox Lewis there as well. And I'm hoping that if AJ can get anywhere near that, then it's a win-win-win. Um, but 
I just want to see him stay busy. And I think he needs another training camp because if it is going to be wilder in the winter, I need a bit more. Yeah, I need I need to see a bit more from AJ against Dylan White to know that he's ready for that smoke. Yeah. Um, but look, it, it's interesting that you think it'll be pay-per-view. I think it will be as well. I just wanted to know if AJ's still that pay-per-view behemoth that he once was. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Nick, if I'm honest, if he, if he still is that guy. Um, there aren't that many that tick those pay-per-view boxes anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the fact that he crossed over into the mainstream so efficiently, you know, and he was, yeah. you know, let, let's be honest, Eddie Hearn did an incredible job incredible. with him straight from the Olympics and took him up and down the country, introduced him to everybody. He was on all the right, you know, he was on all the right uh, chat shows and everyone was saying all the right things and he was in the magazines and everything mm-hmm. else. And he took us all on this journey and he was a wrecking machine. And that was the the most important thing. He was smashing everybody to bits <laughs> and it's easy to fall in love with it, a sportsman that's generating so many social media clicks. And you know, if you're buying a ticket for AJ at Wembley, Someone's getting knocked out. And then Clutch <laughs> Cole night was amazing. Uh-huh. And these are legacy-defining moments. But then Andy Ruiz happened in New York, and he's just not been the same fighter since. He's just mm. not been the same guy. And I think mm. people now are looking at the performances like Jermaine Franklin and going, well, may- maybe maybe mm. that's not somebody I'm willing to you know, buy tickets for. And he's lost. Maybe he's lost a portion of that that casual audience, yeah. you know, and I, yeah. I don't say that negatively, Addy, me and you both know the most important audience for boxing audience. is the casual audience because yeah. that's where the money is. We want as many people as possible. Hardcore boxing fans are going to watch him until the day he retires, but we need to get the football fan back in love with AJ. And the only way you catch their attention in this day and age is viral moments, viral knockouts. He needed a knockout against Franklin and it didn't come. And now the pressure's on to deliver a knockout against Dillian White. Otherwise, he's going to go into that fight with Wilder potentially end of the year. And Jesus. I do not fancy his chances. Jesus. Um, nor do I, if I'm honest with you. But I think you're right. Dillian White's almost the perfect opponent that will still bring that casual audience back because they're going to have their words as they always do at the press conference, at the weigh-in. Yeah. There's going to be a table thrown. Needle. There's going to be insults thrown. It's going to be exactly what you need for an AJ fight week. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, uh, we're going to talk about two fights that will be happening this weekend, starting with Josh Taylor versus Tiafimo Lopez. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back. You're listening to the Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, at Nick Pete of Fight Disciples. Uh, let's talk uh, Josh Taylor. He's back. We haven't seen Josh Taylor in the ring since that very, very controversial win against Jack Catchell 15 months ago. Um, he goes to America to take on Teofimo Lopez. Interesting fight, this one, Nick, just because I think me and you said this at the top. So much about Josh and what Josh has been doing for 15 months. But Teofimo Lopez, he's been on a been on a whirlwind himself. He's been all over the place, right? Uh, mentally, uh, things outside the ring, performances inside haven't been great as well. Sandal Martin performance wasn't great. So it's two guys desperate for a win, but two guys that we know at their best are pound for pound fighters, very elite level boxers at their best. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? That's what we're going to find out on Saturday in New York at Madison Square Garden. Who's, who's still got some of that left in them because they're too very turbulent characters who have just endured the most bonkers last 18 months or so. Yeah. You know, we, we, we spent some time with Teofimo Lopez last year over in Las Vegas, spent the day with him, uh, myself and Adam Cattrall, and we kind of come away scratching our heads. We got about two hours on, mm. on video with him, and we must have published about 16, 17 minutes because really? he was just on such bizarre tangents about mm. so many conspiracy theories and religion and race and everything. And it was just, his, his mind was just all over the place, you know, all over the place. And that's been reflected in his performances. That's been reflected in the way he's, his nomadic lifestyle, switching one coast for the other. Mm. You know, him and his dad just don't seem to be able to uh you know, there was a time there when Tio and his dad were at loggerheads. Now they're in cahoots together, mm. and the, the chip is on both shoulders, and they feel like the entire world is against them. And that worked before going into the Loma fight. It kind of worked that they had this turbulent inner relationship, but it was them against the world. Now it just seems to have completely gone the other way. And you know, the, the two very, very unusual characters, and then kind of similar. Josh Taylor <laughs> could do no wrong up yeah. until fifteen months ago. He was the guy. He was the number one guy in all of British boxing. What he had managed to do to unify the belt in the super lightweight division were nothing short of remarkable. And then that night happened in Glasgow, the homecoming performance against Jack Cattrall. And you know what, Addy, in hindsight, had he lost that night, had he lost on the scorecards like he should have done, mm. he should have lost on the scorecards that night, we'd have probably already been... Uh, at least up to a rematch, probably yeah. a trilogy by now. Ooh, trilogy in ooh, the ooh. books. Yeah. He could have all the belts still wrapped around his waist. We could all still be championing Josh Taylor. We could all still be walking around with the tartan tornado flags. And so he could he still won, be the darling lost, of British then. boxing. But instead, it couldn't have gone any worse for him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So it's almost like he won, but he really lost. Absolutely. Um, because he lost so much. Obviously, look, 
he switched trainers now he's with Joe McNally, someone that I know you know well, um, great trainer. One of the one of the the trainers almost come in on the outside like a horse that no one's expecting. Then he's just taking everything. And we yeah. saw how how well he put he masterminded that Liam Smith performance against Chris Eubank Jr. So a really good trainer. And hopefully he sticks with this trainer this time because this switching trainers, I think it's three trainers in four fights now. It's just. Yeah. Again, he's camps all over the place. Tio's camps all over the place, which is why this fight for me is so intriguing because I, I still think Josh could be king of 140. And I think Tio still could be that superstar we expected to see him blossom into after the Loma fight. Both could be true, but one's going to be wrong on Saturday night. And, and I have no idea which one is going to be wrong. Let's hear from both fighters. They uh, exchanged words recently. Um, hopefully there's no bleeping in this because... Both of those two have salty mouths, to say the least. <laughs> As I can say, that he didn't look too good in his last fight, you know. Um, so, he, he, but I'm not preparing for that last performance. I'm preparing the, for the best version of Teofimo Lopez. But still, that's still not good enough to beat the likes of myself, you know. Um, he's going to say the same thing about my last fight. Well, both of us had well, crap let's last performances. Him. Let's ask him. Teofimo, was Josh's fight against Jack Catterall? Is that indicative of who he is or was it an aberration? It don't matter, man. To be honest, it don't matter. You know, who he fought was Jack Catterall, who's Southpaw. You know, I'm orthodox, so I'm looking forward to putting on a show. You know, like I always do. Put him in front of me and I'll beat him. I don't duck or dodge nobody, and I think Josh Taylor definitely knows that. So, looking forward to this fight. Hey, and I just want to ask Taylor, shouldn't this fight be in the Mecca, not the theater? I think it should be in the big one, yeah. Absolutely. 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 I'm glad think it will be. I think we'll sell out because you're going to talk some and I'm going to talk some. And uh, you never had it's the kahuna. You never had the kahunas to come here tonight and face me. I've travelled over halfway across the world. You never be man enough to come and face me to say hello. Just tell you're going to get. It's never personal. It's business. This is a fight game. He's a good fighter. He's been talking a whole lot of smack about me for a couple of mm -hmm. years. And now, you know, you got to be careful what you wish for. He's never got it, so now he's never going to get a doing there. What's the best thing Tiafimo Lopez does? He's very good at Everything. what he does. He's very good at what he does. But I see a lot Everything. of holes in his game, so I'm going to expose it the as greatest. well. Tiafimo, what's the best thing Josh Taylor does? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Yo, All the guy beat six undefeated guys in a row. What? He never fought Tiafimo. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Josh Taylor and Tiafimo Lopez, they're exchanging words. That was a couple of weeks ago. Um, Josh, very confident. And I can understand why. Josh has said things like he sees holes in Tio's game and it's holes that he's going to exploit. And rightly so. The best Josh Taylor... I think beats the best version of Tiafima Lopez. I think the best Tortada I've probably seen is Pro Gray or Ramirez. I think that guy beats the, the version of Tio that beat Loma just because Josh is a lot bigger, a lot stronger, probably a bit more confident as well. But um, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. Do you still have him as the best 140 pounder, Josh? No, weirdly I don't because I, you know I was there that night in Glasgow and I, I actually think the best 140 pounder was the guy that, in my opinion, beat the guy and beat him convincingly. So Jack mm. Cattrall should be the guy with all the belts at the moment. I think the consensus consensus in the in the sport is that Regis Progre looks yeah. like he has stepped up and been the guy now, and people forget the first fight with their their fight. Him and Josh Taylor was a really close fight. I think Josh won it. But it was a great fight. It was really close. I think inactivity here is the big threat to Josh Taylor. You know, he hasn't been inactive like this before. He's carried an awful lot of negativity around with him over the last 15 months as well. I think it helps that the fight's in Madison Square Garden, that he's able to go over there and kind of get away from it all. 
because he has really gone from hero to zero in a lot of fans' eyes. Just the way he reacted in the aftermath of the the decision to to Jack Cattrall, and I, I really feel for Josh. You know, I think yeah. a lot of it went way too far. You know, there's yeah. a lot of abuse pointed towards his family, which is you know it's completely and utterly unacceptable. The fundamental thing here is it wasn't Josh isn't the guy that scores the fight. Three yeah. judges score the fight. It's the fact that Josh came out and, and maintained that he believed he won. Boxers always do. But he hasn't given Jack Cattrall the rematch that he promised that he'd give him. But listen, I, I was there, again, I was there 15 months ago in Glasgow. He looked us dead in the eye, and he said, I am never competing at this 140 again. I'm only here because I owe Jack Cattrall a favour. He stepped aside, allowed me to fight Ramirez and unify the belts. I'm only keeping at this weight just for Jack Cattrall because I can't do it anymore. And he was so drained. He was absolutely skin and bone. And here we are, 15 months of inactivity later, and he's still in the same weight division. That can't be good. Can't be good for him. Uh, Win or lose, does he go to 147 next? I don't know whether he does, because 147 for me now is sewn up for at least 12 months, because we've got the fight that we've been waiting for, Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford, but it's not one fight. They both have a loser's rematch clause in place. Mm-hmm. So it's a two-fight deal. So that takes them at least until the end of the year. If they win one apiece, and we both know that's more than that's more than likely going to happen because they're so well matched, then the trilogy fight for them, which will define their legacies, happens probably this time next year. So if you go up to welterweight, there's no opportunities there. You've got you've, He's got the WBO belt. If he can hold on to that the weekend, that might give him some collateral to move up and, and, and challenge for the WBO welterweight belt. But again, if those two guys are getting it on, I'd forget about welterweight for the next 12 months. Well, what's the money fight in the division now then? Because there's always been in any division is that guy that you run to because that's the money fight. It doesn't necessarily have to be a champion. I think we've seen that with Ryan and Tank a few weeks back. What is it for Josh? Is it Ryan, Devon, Regis, Jack Cattrall rematch? What's the fight that you think makes him the most? Disappointingly, Jack Cattrall is probably not the guy because that only sells in the UK. I think Regis Progre is a real big fight. I think Ryan Garcia proved he was one half of the first million million plus buy pay-per-view in what five six years? So yeah. he's obvi- he obviously brings eyeballs. So Ryan Garcia's obviously near the top of that list. Um, and you know, there's the Devin Haney's talking about moving up from lightweight to super lightweight as well. There's obviously a huge fight there potentially with Devin Haney who brings a lot of eyeballs. So what Josh has got to do is get this to get the UK back on board again. Yeah. Get that support from here back Agreed. on board. A big performance against. Teofimo Lopez this weekend keeps hold of that WBO belt, just reminds us all, right, that was an off night. Here he is. He's back now. And then he moves forward. I think Jack Cattrall, hopefully if he gets the fight with uh, with Regis Progre, which has been talked about, I know Devin Haney's kind of, Eddie's mm. trying to push Devin Haney in now. No, 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 no. We don't want that. We want Jack Cattrall <laughs> to fight Regis Progre. We want Josh Taylor to keep hold of his belt against Teofimo Lopez. And we mm. want to see the two Brits fight for all the belts Hopefully by the end of the year, we want to see that rematch. The rematch has to happen at no, some stage, surely. Yeah, um, and hopefully it's for all the gold like it like it was first time around. Yeah, it's a good point you made about Josh getting the, the UK side back on, sort of the UK public back on side. The fact that this fight's happening in America and not even the big MSG, Hulu Theatre, which is what, 5,500. This fight should be at the AO Arena, the O2 Arena. 
The fact yeah. this happened in there shows that you're right. He's lost sort of the fan base that he had sort of two, three years ago. Can I think he'll get it back because I think he'll win on Saturday night. All right, you'll listen to Vine Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're going to hear from one of the most animated and one of the most talented Nerelius fighters in the UK, Mr. Sonny Edwards. Welcome back to Final Extra on TalkSport to Adi Oladipo, Nick P. Um, big fight for this young man on the weekend. Sonny Edwards makes his matchroom and zone debut. He takes on Andres Campos at this weekend, the unbeaten uh, Mr. Campos as well. Sonny Edwards obviously unbeaten, the current IBF a flyweight champion. I have to say, I love Sonny Edwards. I love him. I love the fact that he's just a walk-in promoter's dream. Says what he wants, active on social media. Um fights in a style that's entertaining. Yes, he might not have the knockout blow, but a lot of these fighters down that weight class don't, unless you're named Julio Cesar Martinez. I love him. I love him. I think he's perfect. And I, I'm, I hope this link-up goes the way I think it's going to go with big fights against Bam or, as I just mentioned, Martinez. Yeah, 100%. You know, I want to see this guy in unifications. You know, mm. he can absolutely follow in the footsteps of Josh Taylor and bring all the belts together in this flyweight division uh, and bring it back to the UK. You know, Sonny is just, he's so talented. It's yeah. incredible. And I've been fortunate enough to be around a couple of his world title fights. I've done commentary on a couple of his world title fights as well. So I've literally sat, sat right on the ring apron. And he's one of those boxers where he can leave you spellbound. You know, his footwork is incredible. His timing is unbelievable. He knows what his opponents are going to do before even they do because he sets mm. traps. He, he sets traps for his opponents and makes them do things they don't want to do to allow him to land his own shots. That's what he, he's, he really is playing chess and, and everybody else is playing checkers. You know, I see him going with Jason Mammer, who is an undefeated fighter. Very similar record to Andrus Campos this weekend. Mama arrived in Dubai, absolutely convinced he was about to become world champion. <laughs> and he left that ring with Sonny Edwards, a broken man, a broken man, because yeah. Jason Mama, like so many of these opponents who, he, who get bamboozled by Sonny, you've boxed internationally, you've been at the highest level, you've turned professional, you're undefeated, you've, you're a world title contender, you know this game inside and out, and then you share a ring with Sonny Edwards, and he's got a cheat code that you're not privy to. And I've seen him mentally break fighters mid-fight because of it. He does things that other opponents don't have in their arsenal at all. He does things so unorthodox, so natural. He's so comfortable in the ring. Honestly, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Addy. I think he could be Britain's best boxer today. Yeah, almost Britain's best-kept secret as well, because a lot of casual fans... Maybe don't know too much about him. What I really want to see from him, though, I mean, potentially there could be massive fights over here. There's something about, he almost feels like he's the one Brit that has the arrogance to go to America or even Mexico. Mexico. And take on their champions. Like, he would go and fight Julio Cesar Martinez in Mexico tomorrow. Yeah. Without a hint of fear. Yeah. And I think there's something special about him doing it there and taking his belt from him in Mexico and then unifying it over here. Let, let's hear from Sonny Edwards. He spoke... Uh, with Gareth A. Davis on his fight with Campos, obviously this weekend, and working alongside Mr. Eddie Hearn. I think what a lot of people have the misconception is because they live in a world that, oh my God, Sonny says something about Eddie Hearn, and Eddie Hearn says something back. Like, Eddie Hearn knows my frustration. He knew my frustration. They're putting up graphics, free flyweight fights for Martinez on the zone, no mention of the British champion that wants it 
he boxes brother etc 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 like they even went as far one time as putting a picture of my brother and putting charlie edwards and i'm thinking what like now you're really being cheeky um but now sometimes you got to ruffle a few feathers as you know gareth you know to get things moving and from the ruffling of feathers, you know, a day later, uh, um, a towel in between the legs, apology, and then an invite, well, not an invite, um, free ringside tickets to Eddie's show that very same week those tweets sent out when I was there, and then we was on an interview together. So, yeah. like, when you really see it, like, Eddie knows what I'm willing to do to make things start rolling. Like, I don't want to sit here and be ignored. I don't want to sit here and be feel like I'm left out. If I get frustrated, I might kick out a little bit. Um. I feel like it was always kind of a natural progression that there was a good chance that at some point me and Eddie would have been working together. I mean, it should have happened 22nd of October in Mexico. I was meant to be going up to Mexico City to fight the proud champion Martinez. We had set out, I'd started training. We'd agreed my purse, the dates, when I was flying over there, all of that. Started camp, went to Albania to stick with my training team, all of that. Got sparring partners all over. And then they had to come back, you know, the people that I was negotiating with, which was Matchroom at the time, who now obviously look after me, and they had to come back to the away fight and go, oh, actually, sorry, um, embarrassing. Our fight, I don't want to fight, you know what I mean? So now we're back in, I think, now now we're working together. I feel like it's a match made in heaven. I feel like Eddie has become the best promoter in world boxing with the, you know, the urgency just to make the big fights, make the events that people get excited for, revolutionise British boxing, especially in this um, modern era. When I can remember not too long ago where British boxing professionally wasn't really getting much of anything, Gareth, and I'm sure you can as well. Um, and Eddie, as well as, you know, Frank Ryan and the other promoters and, and the fighters as well, all play part. But Eddie having that um, willingness, you know, to get two fighters signed up and then getting them at loggerheads, that's perfect for me. A lot of people might think, oh, be careful. Eddie might feed you to the... He can't feed me to the wolves because I am the wolf. I am the number one. I am the one that wants and has chased every single one of these fights. How important is unifying then? You know, we've got undisputed in a few of the divisions. Now you're with Eddie. Do you believe you can create an, an undisputed era for the... Well, I'll, I'll be real. It's probably got to the point for me where this is my voluntary and then I'll have a little bit of time you know, to try and make the uh, the unification next, right? Yeah. But what's going to happen in a minute after I beat Campos is that my last mandatory, who I beat in my last fight, very hard fight. Oh, very hard fight. I didn't think it was a hard fight. Felix Alvarado yeah. is my next mandatory again. So yeah. I'm letting everyone know and it, whatever they want to do with it, I don't really care because I, I'm not going to stall my career any longer if they don't want to unify next and we can't get that deal over the line next then i'll probably just vacate the ibf i'll class myself forever as the lineal uh flyweight champion the ring magazine number one the most avoided champion that there ever has been because i could not get unification despite being the most paid fight in the division Sonny Edwards, um, as confident and as brash as ever. <laughs> and rightly so, he's got, he's, he, you know, when you're an unbeaten champion and, you know, you're struggling to get the big names in the ring, you're going to have that sort of level of arrogance and confidence. Um, in terms of sort of unifying, obviously Bam's the one that everyone wants to see him in with, Bam Rodriguez. And we mentioned Julio Cesar Martinez. There's a bit of there, there's a bit of revenge there, like the old school kickboxer movies because of what yeah. that he did to, uh, <laughs> to Charlie Edwards. 
Either one, which one would you prefer to see him go down with after this? Either one. I'd be lining them up one after the other. You know, I think that's Sonny Edwards' destiny. I think he will unify this flyweight division. Again, I think he's a you know, he's a generational talent and he gets mm. it. You know, he, the flyweight division's really tough, you know, and I, I've covered a lot of flyweights over the years. I started off covering Peter Culshaw, who was a Liverpool flyweight many, many moons ago and went to South Africa and defeated the great baby Jake Matala. Jesus. And yet Peter Culshaw ended his career, you know, when he, he was a, he was a, he was a taxi driver, you know, mm. for when he went, once he retired, because, you know, it's true. There's no money in the flyweight division, but there is, if you're an attraction, there is if you can bring eyeballs. Chocolatito is around this weight. He makes good money. In the way he makes good money. You know, there's yeah. little guys that can make money, but yeah. you've got to be able to cross over. And that's some, something Sonny Edwards does as almost as naturally as his boxing ability. He crosses over. He makes you care. You either love him or you hate him. Don't get me wrong. You know, mm. he's a hell of a character on social media. He's yes. not afraid to say his mind. And I think when DeZone signed him recently and put him on commentary, Wow, he was incredible. 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 Right? Yeah, so, so good. Uh, what do you think? It is a double for the Brits then this weekend? You think both of them get to keep their belts or you think there's an upset somewhere? No, I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I think uh, Josh Taylor's going to get it done over in New York City and hopefully we can kickstart Josh Taylor's legacy, the second stage of his legacy. And I think Sonny Edwards, for me, is just going to absolutely bamboozle Campos like he does with everybody else. And he'll get that microphone and he'll rock it. And you know what? Him and Eddie, they started off, you know, a little bit bitter on social yeah. media. Yeah. But now they're together. Honestly, I think this could be the next. We had Hayne and Bell, you love story. I think the <laughs> yeah. Hayne Edwards love story is next to come. You wait and see. I agree. I agree. Hopefully, good <laughs> luck to both of them on the weekend. Hopefully, both of them get their belts. And as Nick said there, we get some unification fights for both of them come the end of the year. Uh, Nick, as always, my man, appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you very much. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.